Here is another powerful message from New Vision Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. To hear the rest of this series and others, join us at newvisionlife.com. We get uh, some emails throughout the week of folks that are watching online, and there are a group of folks watching from Southern California. Wow, that must be nice. That's a, that's a, that's a great deal out there weather-wise. But we're glad you're here today, and we're going to uh, continue in a series uh, that we're calling Live in Light, because if we're not careful, our lives get pretty heavy. We get pretty burdened down with just a lot of things, with a, a lot of concern, fear, anxiety, shame, guilt, you name it, bitterness. It's just a heaviness of, of life. And so how is it that we can really move to, to live in life a whole lot lighter? Well, in this series, we're going to look at seven choices, because here's what I want to say to you. I really believe that most of our life, the sum total of our life, is really a result of these godly choices uh, that we make in our life. And so we're going to be looking over the course of these next several weeks at seven really important choices that if we'd really surrender to, and out of obedience to the Lord and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we would begin to start traveling or living our life a whole lot lighter because there are choices that lead to freedom. And, and last week, Nick got us started and did a great job last week really talking about how we can really live for, for purpose, God's purpose over popularity. And, and he reminded us that Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Jesus said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So as we surrender to him, we really begin to experience this, this freedom. So today, if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and open them up to Ephesians chapter 5. And as you're finding Ephesians chapter 5, uh, we jump kind of toward the end of the book. But let me just take about 30 seconds and um, really kind of set the stage for what's going on in Ephesians. Paul is writing a letter to the church at, at, at Ephesus. And he is, he's saying to them in the first four chapters, really, he's trying to remind them of all the blessings, of all the benefits that they have at being in a relationship with, with Christ. And then when we get to chapter 5, what Paul is saying is because of who you are in Christ and because of all that you have as a follower of Christ, this is how you ought to live your life coming from that place. And so that's where we pick up in Ephesians chapter 5. And today we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about this super important choice, but such a difficult choice. How can we really in our life choose purity over compromise? How can we choose purity over compromise? Now, I've been teaching on sex for 25 years now, and I know a couple things are going to happen. For most of you, you'll look at your feet throughout the the vast majority of this because it's just kind of awkward. You're talking about sex in, in church. I've always said to that, where else should we talk about it? This is a very important place to talk about it, and I'm not going to say anything that God's Word doesn't say uh, today. But a couple things are going to happen. Number one, what tends to always happen is when we talk about purity, we, we, we tend to feel a lot of guilt and shame for just past mistakes in, in our life. And I want to say today that that's not the purpose of this. This is, this is not to beat you up for mistakes in the past, but instead to say we're thankful for the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news? But going forward, God has a plan for us in, in our life that really breeds so much freedom and, and lightness, if you will, if we'd surrender to it. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Paul says this, he said, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Now let, let's stop because this is a really important principle to get. He's not saying if you follow all of God's examples and obey all of God's commandments that you will be a, a child of God. He's saying that because you are a child of God, then you should have a desire to follow these commandments. Does that make sense? Do you understand the difference? There, 
And, and, and so one of the things that you'll notice, some of you, listen, I, and, and I, don't, I don't say this to try to get a reaction at all, some of you will be very bothered by the things that I say today because it's going to be so contrary to the way you think and certainly the way our, our culture thinks. Some of you would say, well, this is the most old-fashioned, ignorant, narrow-minded view of sex I have ever heard in my life. I understand that. But some of you, uh, because of what you're hearing, because of this relationship you have with Christ, you know it to be true because the Holy Spirit is confirming it and you desire to walk in it. That's who Paul's talking to. And he says, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now, what Paul is saying is, he said, let's take a look at the life of Christ, that Christ lived his life as the, as the son of God in this, in this way that was completely obedient to the will of God. And, and because of this complete obedience that he lived to the will of God, it was, it was a pleasant aroma to the Father. And he's saying that's how our lives ought to be. Because if you finish reading Ephesians chapter 5, what you will see is Paul is comparing and contrasting believers' lives, really, especially in the area of our sexual morality, should look really different from the world. And so he's saying as Jesus' life was a pleasing aroma because of his obedience to God, then our lives ought to be that way, that we ought to live our lives in such a way that is a pleasing aroma to, to the Father. And then he uses that word in a sacrifice to God because what we're going to talk about today, choosing purity over compromise, is a sacrifice. It's very difficult. Anytime there, there's two subjects in the church, anytime we talk about sex, we talk about money, that, that is just so difficult for us to kind of get our mind around that. And the sacrifices there are, are, are seem very high. Well, let's look at verse 3 because this is what we're going to talk about for the next 25 minutes or so. We're not going to go any further than this. And I hope you have a pen, and I hope you have your Bible open, and I hope you'll underline, highlight, circle a word here because I really think it is the key. If, if you're here today and say, you know what, I want to choose purity, but what does that look like? Well, Paul's going to answer that. He says, but among you, among who? Among believers. But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual morality. If you have a pen, would you just circle that word hint? Paul says, if you want to walk this out, among you there must not even be a hint of sexual morality. Now, th th this word hint, you know, is, is a difficult word. You know, we think about hint, we think about somebody dro dropping some hints, like they're giving us some sort of insight in, in, into some sort of gift that they want. So they're giving us some hints so we can pick up. But, but, but here, this word hint, Paul is using, it's kind of a small thing. We might use the word compromise here. Not any kind of just a, a small, small compromise of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy, holy people. In other words, having all of these hints of immorality in our life, they just don't look like God desires for us to look. Now, here's the sermon in a sentence today. If you check out, let, let me say this to you. Here's what I really hope you hear compromise, these hints of compromise, these little things we think, another look, choosing to, to just say or to do something morally that's just, you know, maybe slightly out of bounds. It's a compromise. It's a hint of immorality. Compromise tends to weigh you down, but purity allows you to travel light. That's what we're going to say. Compromise tends to weigh us down, but purity allows us to travel light. If I had to illustrate it, I'd probably illustrate it best with a funnel because this is, compromise are, compromises are easy. It's quite easy to look at what we want to look at, do what we want to do with our, our bodies physically. It's quite easy to compromise. 
But compromise is like, like this funnel. When you, when you get in and compromise, it, it begins to get smaller and smaller and smaller. And that's what compromise does. Compromise begins to weigh us down. But the gospel is like this. It's like flipping this funnel upside down. And you take a look. It's, it's much more difficult to walk in purity. And it takes sacrifice. And we have to trust God even when it doesn't make sense. And even when it goes against what the culture is saying. And even what, if it goes against what, what we think. But to not have a hint of immorality, that, that's tough. But look at the result of that. When I do that, it begins to open up. And that's what we want for you. We want freedom. We want you to travel light. Listen, I wish as a 16-year-old boy somebody would have set me down. And I'm not blaming anybody. It's on me. I didn't get this principle. I just kind of grew up thinking God was against everything that was fun. Did anybody else grow up that way? Nobody? Yeah. That's what I thought. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize that, that God wanted freedom. He wanted me to travel light. And, and so the way I found that is if, if I would have pursued purity, then I could have found his freedom for me. And that's what we want for you. You see, because compromise and freedom are never going to occupy the same space in your life. That's maybe why today you're not experiencing the freedom or the lightness, we might say, that you want. Because there's probably some compromises in your life and in my life. These compromises are just hints. We think they're little things. Compromise is, is really giving in in some little things, thinking it won't have big effects. Can I say that to you again? That's what compromise really is. It's, it's really kind of giving in in some little things, thinking it's not going to have some big effects in, in my life. Let me give you an example from Scripture that's always been fascinating for me. It's found in Numbers chapter 20. You can go and read that tonight. I'll, I'll just kind of summarize it. It's the story of Moses as he's leading the children of Israel out of captivity. They're getting close to the promised land, and they stop at a place called the Desert of Zin. And, and Miriam, his sister, has just died, so he's sad. And they get there, and the people are complaining because there's not enough water. And so they're thirsty, and so they don't care that Moses is sad. They're just like, we're thirsty. We want some water. Give us some water. Moses, it would have been better if we'd have just died in Egypt or if we could have died like some of uh, the other folks with us died a couple years ago. It would just been better if we, we, we weren't alive now because this is miserable. We had grapes and we had pomegranates back in Egypt, but we have nothing now, and we're thirsty. And on and on and on they went. And so Moses goes before God and says, what, what should I do? And so God tells Moses. He says, Moses, I want you to go speak to the rock. And it will provide water for the people. And so Moses and Aaron, they leave the tent of meeting, the scripture says, and they gather the people around. And Moses kind of speaks harsh to him. He calls them a bunch of rebels, which I, I think you and I get. Just tired of complaining. You've kind of felt that way as you're about 500 miles into your vacation trip with two kids in the back, right? Yeah, somebody said amen. And Moses said, you know, come on, you bunch of rebels. And he takes them to the rock, and Moses grabs his staff, and he goes to the rock, and boom, boom, he strikes it twice, and water gushes forth. And to that, we'd say, it's cool. God provided. But there's this sidebar conversation between Moses and God that I don't want you to miss. Moses hears from the Lord. The Lord says to Moses, he says, Moses, because you didn't treat me and my words as holy and set apart, you're not going to go into the promised land. You'll die here outside my promise for you and for this people. And I don't know about you, but I'm like, man, that's tough. That was like a little thing. He was supposed to speak to the rock, and he hit the rock. 
And now he's not able to get into the promised land. Here, here's my point for sharing that, that story. You see, that's what compromise is. We compromise. We have a hint of immorality. We think it's a little thing. We don't realize that it really cost us so much. So for the next 20 minutes, here's all we're going to do today. What would it look like if we really begin to take God's word seriously and drop the hints of immorality that we have in our life? Why are we doing that? Because the scripture says that. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. So what are the hints of immorality in my life, and, and how could we, we, we drop them? I, I'm going to invite Brad to come out. Uh, Brad is uh, on our staff. You guys have met Brad. Brad does a great job. I thought Brad was bringing the funnel. He didn't, but Brad's a great chef. He does a lot of cooking uh, for us around here. So tell us a little bit about what you've got, what you've prepared. Yeah, absolutely. So these are a couple of steaks that I have been uh, aging about 82 days. So there's been a lot of preparation that's gone into them. These are uh, T-bones. They're cut perfectly. They have been marinated in a top-secret family marinade. Wow. And I can't, of course, give that up, you know, secrets of the chef and whatnot. But there's a hint of garlic. I'll tell you that, just a hint of garlic in the marinade. Um, I cook them. It's a medium rare. I know that's how you like it. Absolutely. And uh, just, you know, you look like you were getting hungry out here. Thought I'd bring you a steak, just encourage you a little bit. So, oh, I forgot to mention, I did do something a little different to one of them. Um, On one of them, I went with just a hint of uh, arsenic, just a little... Just a Did little not poison. see that coming. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm looking at those and thinking, this is the final service of the day, and I'm about to sure. tear up some red meat. And yeah, you, it's going to be again, great. You, you went with a hint of. Yeah, it's just a little bit. Okay. So, shouldn't yeah. be a big deal. Um, before you go. Yeah. I got one question. Sure. Which, which uh, first of all, that's super weird that you did that. That's for a whole other subject. But which one of those did you go with the, the hint of arsenic on? Mm. Don't remember. Yeah, that, that, that creates a dilemma for me, right, uh, to a certain extent. Now, here's where some of you are. Some of you are like, this is the goofiest thing I've ever heard. Here's why we're doing this. On Tuesday, you won't remember a thing I said. You will say, man, remember the guy came out in the hat, brought the two steaks? That's funny. Here's the point. I could eat both of these steaks in about a minute and a half right now. I promise you that. But if he's telling the truth, I'm not willing to roll the dice, like I, I, I mean, 50-50 chance that I'd, I'd pick the right steak and that'd be okay. But, but, but if what he's saying is true, if there's a hint of arsenic in one of them, and I don't know which one has it, I'm out. How about you? Regardless of, of, of how much I love steak. What would it look like for me in my life to start dropping the hints of immorality? Let's walk through a few of these today. If you have your notes, you can, you can take those out. Let's look at the first one. It would be the dropping the hints of the heart. Now, what do I mean about that? Well, the hints of the heart is where we start getting emotionally attached to another person. And many times, it's just really small because we're, we're, maybe we're kind of frustrated in our marriage. And, and maybe, uh, ladies, your husband, isn't, he, he's not a great listener. He's not the most romantic uh, guy. He got you a leaf blower for Valentine's Day and thought he was doing well. And you're just like, oh, man, this dude. Right? And so you think, 
ah, I just wish I had somebody who could listen and understand. So, so you, you, you tend to find somebody like that. Maybe it's in the office. Maybe it's even in church. I, I don't know where it is. But it's just, a, it's just somebody. And it's just small. I mean, nothing physically is happening. And, and it's just a hint of immorality. But you just sort of open yourself up uh, to him. And then you begin to sort of fantasize in your mind. And I'm not talking about sexual fantasies yet. I'm just saying you just sort of fantasize it like what it would be like for somebody to really understand you, to really be married to a romantic person who really got you. And you start to go there in your heart, and you become a little too friendly over time. Or guys, it's been the third baby. He's just two months old. She hasn't slept in eight years. You leave the house to head out to the office, and you'd like a little affection, a little kiss, a little hug, a little pat on the back. She looks over her coffee and growls at you like a German shepherd. So you kind of find your way to her desk mid-morning. She always brags on what you're wearing. In fact, last week she even said, asked you about the cologne, said it smelled pretty good. She, she brags on some of the ways you do business. Makes you feel good. So you sort of find yourself going by there because you, you, you sort of need that. And in fact, you've thought in your mind what it would be like to be married to a woman like that who got you. You see, that's the hint of the heart. It's a hint of immorality. Amy, who's here in this service, she loves Dateline, loves Dateline. I don't know if any Dateline fans here. Lester Holt also loves the vest, whatever. You see the vest that Lester Holt wears on Dateline. Anyways, that's for only Dateline watchers. Uh, but she loves Dateline. I'm okay with Dateline, to be honest, but it's on Friday night. And, uh, and so a lot of times we, we get back from, if we're doing anything, so we can be back in time for Dateline. And sometimes I'll try to watch Dateline with her because I'm a, I'm a great husband. And... Uh, <laughs> And, and, and so a couple weeks ago, it was about to come on, and so they're, they're, they're teasing it, the secrets of Lake Seminole. Now, I know, know Lake Seminole. I'm, I'm a fisherman. I've never been there. I know it's in northern Florida. I know there's some monster bass there. It's kind of on a bucket list, a place I want to go. So I'm like, I'm interested. And, and then the, the, sort of the opening sort of shot there is a, is, is a guy out duck hunting on, Dakes, on Lake Seminole. So I'm, I'm saying, you need to get in here. We need to watch Dateline. I want to spend some time together tonight. I'm, I'm interested in this story because, you know, it's, it's got the things I'm, I'm interested in. Here's the story, if you haven't seen it. It's two couples who go to a, a private Christian college outside of Tallahassee, Florida. They grow up together. They play on the, the, the guys play football together. They're best friends. Their wives are friends, and, and they end up getting married. It's, it's both couples. They, they, they marry each other, and now they're best friends, couple friends, and they do everything together. But... Uh, Husband B begins to be a little frustrated in his marriage, and emotionally he starts to give himself little by little to wife A and vice versa. Just a hint. It's not a big deal at first or so they think. It's not very long before that emotional attachment turns into a physical relationship, and so now they're having a full-on affair. Nobody knows about it. And here's the thing about sin, it just keeps going. And so they concoct a plan because these two guys were hunting and fishing buddies to go duck hunting out on Lake Seminole. And husband A will be in his waders and husband B will ask him to stand up on the front of the boat in the early hours before daylight and and look at something over the front of the boat. And as he stands up on the front of the boat, he'll hit the gas with the motor, throwing him into the lake, his waders filling up, and so he drowns. Nobody knows. And it happens that way. He does fall in. His waiters do feel. 
but he grabs hold some vegetation off to the side of the lake and he's battling for his life. And his high school friend swings the boat around, takes a 12-gauge shotgun, shoots his friend in the head and kills him. I'm like, what? Now it's seven or eight years before the authorities sort through all this because who would have thought? And now husband B and wife A are spending the rest of their life incarcerated. You say, why, why, why did you, why'd you tell that story? Because it started with just a hint of compromise. Just a little bit of an emotional attraction. And compromise says, you know, little things don't lead to big problems. It's a lie. That's why Scripture is so clear. Let's look at the second hint, dropping the hint of the eyes. Well, this is a tough one. Because, you know what, it's a, it's a second look, right? And for some of you, it's... Not to, not to beat, beat, anybody, beat anybody up, I've heard this multiple times. It's a hard thing to say. I've heard this multiple, multiple times from guys who are struggling with, with, with pornography. And by the way, 75% of Americans admit to being on a pornographic site at least twice in the last month. Women, uh, the fastest growing demographic, young females being involved in pornography, the fastest growing demographic of any group using. 50% of pastors in America admit to being on a pornographic site at least twice in the last month. This is a real deal. And so dropping the hints of the eyes refuses to take the second look, refuses to click on that Instagram or Facebook post that you know is not going where you need it to go, It's choosing to go tonight at that same time and hit that website that you've hit for months. It's refusing another page in mommy porn that you've been reading after the kids are gone to bed. You see, it's dropping the hint of the eyes. Jesus had some strong words to say in Matthew chapter 5, verse 29. He says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now, Here's, here, here's what I believe. I believe this is hyperbole that Jesus is using. I, I don't believe Jesus is saying that, that we gouge our eye out. I, I do believe what Jesus is saying is that, that we have to make some changes. We have to repent of this and make some changes. That's what Job did in the Old Testament. He said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully with, with, with a woman. It's what I tried to teach my boys as they were young growing up, and I still try to model it today in my life. Listen, in the culture that we live in, you're going to see stuff all day, every day, and so just being quick to bounce your eyes away from that image and put it on something else very quickly. See, that's what God is calling us to. So it's dropping the hint of the heart, dropping the hint of the eyes, dropping the hints of the body. This one always goes well for me every time I take up this subject. There'll be some emails waiting for me in the morning. I look forward to hearing from you. This <laughs> is so different. Amy and I, we, we were on vacation recently, and, and she was out in the car getting ready, her mom and aunt. We had a bunch of people there, and so we were going out to grab some dinner. So I just kinda, I kind of rushed in, and I, I put a shirt on. And, and, you know, it's kind of these thin, long sleeve shirts. I, I think Under Armour and Nike makes them, and, and uh, they're just kind of a quarter-zip shirt. Have you seen, you seen those? Yeah. So I throw one of those on and come out. I forgot to zip it up. So I'm right, like right here, you know. And I run out there, and she's like, oh, Dad, whoa, whoa, no good. But it hurt, hurt my feelings. I was like, I 
you know. She said, nobody wants to see that. Well, maybe somebody does. You know, I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to be a stumbling block, though, so I'll, I'll go ahead and zip that up. So, so, so we're different visually. You say, why'd you tell that? Because use a little humor because let's get real. Some of you, when you were getting ready for church today, you thought about another button. Just a little tighter. You know what draws the looks. You know it. Let's be real about that. You, you, you know the post on social media. It was August and Destin and it was the end of the week and the tan was right. You're proud of what God had given you and you thought everybody in America needed to see that. And so you put that out there. It's at an epidemic proportion. I'm not trying to beat anybody up. I'm just trying to say, You'll never be free. You'll never be free until you drop the hints of the body. And men can do this too. Men can do this too. Listen to what Jesus says. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Listen, I know, I, I know this for a fact. There are multiple guys in this room who are doing battle. And listen, that's what we're called to do, do battle with sin. We're all going to struggle with it, but to do battle with it, to try to, to try to repent and walk in victory. And they're doing battle with pornography. And they came in today and they tried to put their attention on the screen and sing worship to the Lord. But there was something somebody was wearing here in this room and it drew them away. This is what Jesus is talking about here. It's time to drop the hints of the body. Number four, if you're a middle school student, if you're a high school student, you're hoping right now your parents aren't listening and don't bring this up in the car because it's about to get awkward. And you say, well, why are you talking about this? Because I think somebody needs to. And God's Word has a lot to say about this. I think we need to drop the hints of arousal. You see... A couple of weeks ago, I'll, I'll tell you this story. A couple of weeks ago, we we're, were on vacation, and, and I'm the only guy who goes to Hilton Head, South Carolina, and drives through all, there's 850 golf courses there. I'm not thinking, man, I can't wait to play all those golf courses. I'm thinking, man, I can't wait to fish in all those ponds that are on those golf courses. And so that's what I do. When I, when I get there, I've got my fishing stuff. I get on my little bike, and I ride to these golf course ponds. And it's, it, you should see the looks that people give me. Like, this is a weird cat here. I'm I'm I'm, I'm fishing. Uh, two weeks ago, and I'm fishing there beside this golf course pond. A couple of Korean guys are playing golf, and they walk up to me and said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm fishing. Why? It's a golf course. Said, it's, it's too complicated, buddy. I don't want to go into it with you. They start telling me where the ocean is, how close the ocean is. I should go there. I said, that's too big. I like the odds here. <laughs> then I caught a fish and threw it back, and that really messed them up. Like, you don't even keep them? You're a nut. But, but they're... they're there is this one spot, this one pond, and you've and you got to be very shrewd because it's, it's, it's right to the right side of the third tee box on this, this hole, and you have, to, you have to know when the first tee time is, and, and, and I'm smart enough in my mind, I know when the first group is going to be there, so I've got to get up and I've got to be there and I've got to fish there before the first group comes by to the third hole. I also know when the last group comes through, so I know in the morning and the evening when I can get there, so I'm so excited, so I calculate my time. First day, I go there because this spot is gold, man. I can't tell you how gold this is. It's, it's only about 50 yards that's just cut, manicured right there off the side of the tee box, and uh, 
That's where it's at. And so I get there with my bike that first morning, and I look, and laying right out there in a spot where I want to stand is an eight-foot alligator. He might have been bigger. It's huge. And so at that point, I'm sitting there thinking, I've seen how fast they are. I know how slow I am. I was looking for a distance. Golfers, I want to know a distance. I want to see a distance of how close he is to me. And I'm thinking, man, I don't know how I could. And, I'm, and then I just get on my bike and leave. I go back. And he's like, what happened? I'm done. I didn't fish today. Why? That's a long story. I didn't want to know I was a sissy. <laughs> Thursday night, we're having this service Thursday night. A couple guys come up to me afterwards like, man, I can't believe you didn't fish there, man. What a loser. I said, I'm still alive, moron. I didn't say the moron part. I did say I'm still alive. Because when it comes to an eight-foot alligator, here's how my mind thinks. I'm not thinking how close I need to be to the eight-foot alligator. I'm thinking about how far I need to be away from the eight-foot alligator. I don't know about you. That's just me, right? But here's where we are sexually. We do just the opposite. We want to see how close we can get to the line. Now, the problem is the line doesn't even exist. The, 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 the line we think is sexual intercourse, and, and, and we think everything up to that is not sin. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible is very, very precise in its wording. The Bible uses sexual immorality. And so you might say, well, what is sexual immorality? Here's what sexual immorality is. Sexual immorality is anything physically you are doing with another person that you would be embarrassed for your grandmother to be sitting right there and watching. And you might say, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. This is worse, right? If you're a believer, the Holy Spirit of God resides inside of you and he's watching. You see that? This is why I told you, some, some of you are watching online and you're like, I'm out. This is crazy. This is why, this is why some, some of you say, well, I don't agree with that. I don't like that. I don't understand that. I don't agree with that. Okay, here's the option you have. I understand it. Like, I, I, I get that. Here are the options you have. You can, you can create your own sexual ethic. You can do what you want to do. You can generate, you can, you can create your own sexual ethic. Can I take you back to the funnel? It's easy to do that. Everybody else does that. Create your own sexual ethic. Here's what will happen. I mean, it's not like the enemy comes up to you and says, hey, you want a sexually transmitted disease? You'd like to sign up for that? Like an unwanted pregnancy? How about pregnancy leads to abortion? How about that? I mean, you want to wreck your family and another family? Would you like that? No. The enemy says, you know what? It's exhilarating. It's fun. It's your body. You ought to be able to do what you want to do with your body. So we compromise. So here's what I want to say. It's time for us to drop the hint of arousal. What I'm about to say is so radical, so many of you are going to dismiss it out of hand. Right? You are. But I think we need a change in our culture. It needs to start with the church of Jesus Christ. Okay? Do you see that? One person started to clap. That was my mom. <laughs> Here it is. So here's the number one question in 25 years of doing ministry with middle school and high school students, especially high school students and college students. I was at an event with college students not too long ago. They asked this, this question. I almost knew it. Whenever you, whenever you open yourself up in a QA, and a I've done so many Q&As on sec. I, I can ask the question before they do. Hey, Pastor Brady, just want to ask for a friend of mine. He won't know how far is too far. Well, here's the thing. I think passionate kissing is too far. You say, you're nuts. What are you talking about? Well, why would you say that? Because I think passionate kissing, I think passionate kissing ignites a rocket 
that mentally you weren't intending to launch still does. I think this, I think touching something that's covered is too far. Same thing. You're igniting a rocket that, that maybe in your mind you would say, and, and, and so many Christian young people say, you know what, uh, we're not having sex. We're not going to have sex. But we think we can do whatever it is we want to do other than that. Well, the Bible doesn't say that, and here's why. Now, let, let me show you a passage. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. This is so important. Can you watch this? If, if you are a parent of a middle schooler, you have to know this. You have to. And you have to be courageous enough to teach it, right? That's why middle schoolers are saying, please, mom and dad, let's not talk about that in the car. Talk about it in the car, right? Go to lunch today. Talk about this passage. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. For all of us, what's God's will for your life? Sanctification. What is that? Pursue holiness. Drop the hints of immorality. That's God's will for your life. You want God to deliver? Pursue, pursue sanctification. That you should avoid sexual immorality. Is the word intercourse or is the word immorality? In other words, immorality. What's sexual immorality? Anything you'd be ashamed of if what? Grandma's watching, right? That you should learn to control your own body in a way that's holy, set apart, and honorable. Watch, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. Now, let me, let me say this. In other words, our sexual ethics should be different from people who don't know God. And let me, let me say this about sex here real quick before we get to verse 6, which is huge. It answers the question. God created sex. Do you believe that? Well, the answer is yes. And God, and God created sex for our pleasure, for refreshment, for uniting two people's lives together as one. Sex is God's idea. It's a great thing. But God has guidelines about it. About it. And, and listen, so he created it and he created you. And so if he created it and he created you, he knows more. Now watch this. You say, well, the Bible doesn't, what you just said about touching stuff that's covered, man, that's not in the Bible. Yes, it is. Watch this, verse 6, and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish those who commit such sins as we have told you and warned you before. That no one should wrong or, uh, I learned it as defraud. The Greek word there is pleonglion. It, it, it means touching. It means doing something that creates a desire in the body for more. And that's what the Bible teaches. Do you see that? Right. You may not like that. You may not agree with that. But God understands our bodies. And so, I mean, if you're driving 80 miles an hour through a residential section and a child comes out chasing a ball, do you want to hit that child? And everybody would say, no. In your mind, you don't want to hit that child. But the mistake has already been made with your speed. Do you see it? And so this is what the Scripture is teaching. To wrong or defraud your brother or sister is to light a rocket that you never intended to launch, and it doesn't work that way. Your bodies physically aren't made that way, and the Bible speaks directly into that. Do you see that? And so dropping the hint of arousal may mean a radical change in the way that you are dating today. Why would you do that? Because you want freedom. Can I ask you another question? Because you're looking at me like I'm a moron. Would it make any sense to you to disobey God in the present, hoping and praying that he would bless your future? It doesn't make any sense. Lastly, to drop the hints of the mind. The enemy's greatest tool is not some pitchfork. It is his tongue. He's a liar. And nowhere does he lie more than as it relates to sex. As long as we're in love, it's okay. That's what the enemy will lead you to say. 
It's my body. I can do with my body what I want. That's what the enemy will lead us to say. Or this is one I heard this past week. Why did God give us something as incredible as sex and not allow us to use it? I wasn't walking in the spirit when I responded this way, but I said, God gave us fire, but he also told us how to use that as well, right? You don't have any parameters around fire. You set a fire in your den, you'll burn your house down. Fire's powerful, right? So God gave us this gift of sex, but he told us how he wanted us to use it inside the confines of marriage. You see? What, 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 is the, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say here? Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. One of the Ten Commandments, the top ten. You shall not commit adultery. God is clear. Sex outside of marriage is sin in God's eyes. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. Flee from sexual immorality. Do you understand this? The Bible doesn't say get as close to that alligator as you can. It's get as far away as you can. That's what Joseph did with Potiphar's wife. Watch this. I'm almost done. Watch me. I'm losing you. Every other sin, this this will mess you up if you don't pay attention here. This will mess you up. There's a lot of bad theology here. Listen to what Paul says. Every other sin a person commits is outside of the body. In other words, when I lie and steal, that's something outside of the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Does that mean what? Watch, watch. Does that mean that God cannot and will not forgive us from sexual sin? Does that mean that sexual sins are worse than any other sin? No, that's not what the Scripture says. The blood of Christ Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that good news here today? You better believe it's good news, but watch this, watch this. Here's what the Bible is saying. The consequences of sexual sin are different from any other sin because they're a sin against our own body. All the water in the world wouldn't sink a ship. This is pretty easy until what? The water got where? Inside. Look at verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit with whom you have from God? You are not your own This isn't my body. If I'm born again, it belongs to the Lord Jesus. He paid a great price for it. You see, here's the thing. Let me close with this. Compromise is ultimately this. Compromise is the art of giving your enemy that which he is not powerful enough to take. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ here today, The Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. The enemy is not powerful enough to take anything that God has blessed you with. But when you walk in compromise, when there's hints of immorality, you have just given him a foothold to take what he's ultimately not powerful enough to take without compromise. Little things equal big problems. Unless you drop, here's what I want to say, I want to close with this. Unless you and I drop the hints of immorality will be sentenced to a life that cycles with guilt and shame here's what the psalmist said Psalms 38.3 because of your wrath there's no health in my body there's no soundness in my bones because of my sin my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear that's the irony of this compromise equals weight purity equals freedom Three questions. Three questions to take to the house with you. What hint is God calling you to drop? What's a hint of immorality that God's calling you to drop? Will you choose purity 
over compromise. And lastly, will you receive it? Two things, please listen. Will you receive this truth, even though it's a hard truth, even though it's a radically different sexual ethic than everything that culture is saying? We, we live in a day where everybody wants to have big faith. You know what big faith is? I want to have big faith so God can bless me in a big way, and that means a big house, a big job, and a beautiful husband. Big faith equals big, big things. Let me tell you what big faith is. Big faith is believing God enough to do something in obedience, even when it doesn't make sense to you. Trusting him to make the difference. That's big faith. Big faith says I choose purity when everybody else chooses compromise. Will you receive that truth? Will you receive it? Let me say it to you this way. Some of you today feel so burdened and so beaten down because it was an abortion 10 years ago that is haunting you. secret affair that no one knows about it's an addiction to pornography that's in the dark places of your life it brings so much shame and so much guilt can I ask you something here today will you receive it the Bible says if anyone is in Christ he's a new creation the old has gone the new has come The Bible says that Jesus will remove our sin as far as the east is from the west. Do you want it? Because purity isn't something we can pursue until it is first something that we have received from him. And it's liberating. And it's yours for the taking. Trust him. Father, thank you for this moment in time. Thank you for your word. Father, in all of our lives, it's been the funnel of compromise that has choked so much joy and so much freedom out of our life. But Lord, today, through the power of your Holy Spirit, we flip the funnel upside down. We drop the hints of compromise and we trust you enough to obey in a difficult area and know that freedom, traveling lights on the other side. Grant us the grace and the mercy to trust you. For some here today, grant them the grace and the mercy, mercy to trust you for the first time. Savior and Lord. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we'd like to invite you to one of our Sunday morning services. We meet at 820, 940, and 11 a.m. If you would like more information or would like to watch or listen to more of our services, please visit us online at newvisionlife.com. This broadcast is brought to you by New Vision Baptist Church, where our mission is guiding people to lives of gospel transformation.